0: Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you. We also thank you that we are among the living. Dear Father, grant us graciously of your Holy Spirit that the subjects which we are about to handle may have an effect in our lives. We hope and pray that our hearts and souls shall be lifted up to heaven and that You will shed your love abroad in our hearts as we look at these most exalted topics that you have granted us to study today. May your Spirit grant me utterance to speak words that the Holy Spirit will use to elevate our minds and increase our love for God. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. I may know him, February 27. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. In the garden of Gethsemane, Christ suffered in man's stead. And the human nature of the Son of God staggered under the terrible horror of the guilt of sin, until from his pale and quivering lips was forced the agonizing cry, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if there is no other way by which the salvation of man may be accomplished, then, not as I will." But, as thou wilt matthew chapter twenty six verse thirty nine the power that inflicted retributive justice upon man's substitute and surety was the power that sustained and upheld the suffering one under the tremendous weight of wrath that would have fallen upon a sinful world. Christ was suffering the death that was pronounced upon the transgressors of God's law. It is a fearful thing for the unrepenting sinner to fall into the hands of the living God. This is proved by the history of the destruction of the old world by a flood, by the record of the fire which fell from heaven and destroyed the inhabitants of Sodom. But never was this proved to so great an extent as in the agony of Christ, when he bore the wrath of God for a sinful world. Man has not been made a sin-bearer, and he will never know the horror of the curse of sin which the Saviour bore. No sorrow can bear any comparison with the sorrow of him upon whom the wrath of God fell with overwhelming force. Human nature can endure but a limited amount of test and trial. The finite can only endure the finite measure, and human nature succumbs. But the nature of Christ had a greater capacity for suffering, for the human existed in the divine nature and created a capacity for suffering to endure that which resulted from the sins of a lost world. The agony which Christ endured broadens, deepens, and gives a more extended conception of the character of sin and the character of the retribution which God will bring upon those who continue in sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Weight of God's Wrath. I want to begin by reading a particular and quite popular among those who are familiar with the spirit of prophecy, a particular quote. It says in Desire of Ages, page 83, paragraph 4. So, memorize that. Desire of Ages, page 83, paragraph 4. It will be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we will be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. End of quote. And this particular action that we are told to do, which is to, spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of christ especially the closing scenes that's what we are going to do for the next few devotions dwelling on the closing scenes we have actually been contemplating the life of christ that's actually what this devotion is about that i may know him it's it affords us opportunity to contemplate more deeply than we will do before the life of christ and i want us to understand what we are trying to achieve it says that when we do that, our love will be quickened. Our confidence in him will be more constant. I'll tell you something that's happened to me, even as I've been going through this. There's one thing that's happened, which is my confidence in Christ has been more constant. I believe his words more than I have done before. Especially when I read where Jesus said, all things are yours. Where he said, ask and it shall be given to you those things when he was telling his disciples that whatever you want, I will do it for you. Of course, we know that that is according to his will. I felt like I was there and like he was talking to me one-on-one, face-to-face and my confidence in him increased. And I, I believe it more strongly than I have done before that Christ is saying to me personally, ask anything in my name and I will do it. And I hope that you also have been having your confidence in Christ increased. And then also, we are supposed to have our love quickened. As we see how much God has done for us, how much he suffered, when we see in comparison to our sacrifice, his own sacrifice, how great the difference is and what he has prepared for us and what he has suffered, our love for him ought to be quickened and we should be more deeply imbued with his spirit so these are the things at least these three things that should happen to us as we go through this devotion our love needs to be quickened our confidence in him become more constant and we should be more deeply imbued with his spirit what does that mean that is his character it should transfer from him to us as we see him doing certain things we should be imbued with the same spirit the spirit of meekness let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You can say, let this spirit be in you, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of self-sacrificing love. So let us continue to study, looking at the topic, the weight of God's wrath, and hope that we'll be imbued with the spirit, our love will be quickened, and also our confidence will get greater in Christ. In Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17, we are reminded of what the wages of sin is. God said to Adam, Adam, that he should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And what was man's response to that command? Genesis 3 verse 1 down to verse 8. Man ate of the fruit. But in Genesis 3 verse 9 to 13, I find there's something really interesting. I love to look at this part very well. God is questioning Adam and Eve and he says, The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam said he was naked, hid himself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now verse 13 is my focus. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? That question, what is this that thou hast done? Adam and Eve did not know what they had done. And many of us today do not understand what the eating of that fruit did. Let me read from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 63, paragraph 2. But before I read it, we just need to understand that what it had done was that it had triggered a clause in the creation of man. Before the creation of man, God was aware of what would happen. He was aware of Satan's rebellion, yet he created him. He was aware that Satan will, destroy, will, will cause man to sin, yet he went ahead to create man. But there's one other thing. God had a plan on how to deal with the sin of man. And that, sin, that plan was not just a plan. There was one, only one way. It's not just that it's a plan. It's the only way to deal with the sin issue. That is, that He Himself will have to die. Adam and Eve did not know that that was the consequence of what they had done. But as we look back and see the consequence of what they had done, which is that God would have to come in human flesh and suffer for the sins of man, pay the penalty for man's sins. We can look at that question with a whole new meaning. What is this that thou hast done? Patriarchs and Prophets, page 63, paragraph 2 In all the universe, there was but one who could in behalf of man satisfy the claims of the law. Since the divine law is as sacred as God himself, only one equal with God could make atonement for its transgression none but christ could redeem fallen man from the curse of the law and bring him again into harmony with heaven christ would take upon himself the guilt and shame of sin sin so offensive to a holy god that it must separate the father and his son christ would reach to the depths of misery to rescue the ruined race end of quote this is what adam and eve had done now fast forward to when christ finally came in the book of john chapter 1 reading from verse 29 to 36 i won't read everything but it tells us the day that jesus came to john the baptist to be baptized it says that john saw jesus and said to the people behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sin of the world and he said in verse 31 and i knew him not but that he should be manifest to israel therefore am i come baptizing with water verse 32 to 33 says and john bare record saying i saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him and i knew him not but he that sent me to baptize with water the same said unto me upon whom Thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And in verse 36, he exclaimed again, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, this is the account of Jesus finally coming to do that which he had proposed to do from the day Adam and Eve sinned. In Matthew 4, reading from verse 1 and 2, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. At this time, something took place. Christ changed. When he baptized, that was when the work of taking the sins of man began. In Isaiah 52, verse 13 and 14, We are told, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred, more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Then chapter 53, starting from verse 3, says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. When did the Lord lay on him our iniquities? When did that process begin? Just at the baptism of Jesus, the weight of the sins of the world was placed on him and he was ordained the Lamb of God. God laid on him the iniquity of all men at this time. It was at this time that he became the man of sorrows and had an acquaintance with grief and it got more and more and more till the day he was crucified on the cross. He was drinking of the cup of the guilt and sins of men. The, the, thing was, the sins were being laid upon him. I will read now to express what I am saying. It says Selected messages, volume 1, page, 2, page 271, paragraph 1. It says, As soon as Christ entered the wilderness of temptation, his visage changed. What does that reconcile with? Isaiah 52, verse 14 says, His visage was so marred more than any man. When did this happen? As soon As he entered the visit the the, the wilderness of temptation continue the reading it says the glory and splendor reflected from the throne of god which illuminated his countenance when the heavens opened before him and the father's voice acknowledged him as his son in whom he was well pleased was now gone the weight of the sins of the world was pressing his soul and his countenance expressed unutterable sorrow a depth of anguish That fallen man had never realized. He felt the overwhelming tide of woe that deluged the world. He realized the strength of indulged appetite and of unholy passion that controlled the world which had brought upon man inexpressible suffering. End of quote. Here we see what Christ was passing through. This was what Christ bore through the three and a half years of his ministry. Its culmination was in Gethsemane and its end was at the cross. He had been drinking of the cup of God's wrath and the sins of the world was pressing more strongly upon him. The sin itself was going to kill him. When God says the wages of sin is death, what does that mean? How come Adam and Eve did not die instantly? It is because just as soon as man sinned, there was an intercessor and there was a mediator. If not, man would have died instantly. But Jesus proposed to take his place and that's why man did not die. But yet, the wages of sin is still death, even presently. All around us, we see it taking place on a daily basis. People are dying in the end. But for those who receive the gift of God, this death is only a sleep. Amen. Because Christ's took upon himself the wrath of God that was supposed to be upon us and every other sinner and it's this wrath of God that we are looking at today to understand this wrath I want us to realize what really happened to Jesus we read that the weight of the sins of the world fell upon him and it brought to him unutterable sorrow the visage of his face was marred it changed he felt a depth of anguish that you and I can never ever feel it was so overwhelming that the whole world's sin was placed upon him. In Matthew 26, now he's talking about the day of Gethsemane. Because these are the points. First of all, the day man sinned. That's what we've looked at. His baptism and entering into the wilderness. That's another high point. And then Gethsemane and the cross. Those are four high points. Now, we're going to Gethsemane to see the wrath of God upon God himself. God took upon himself the punishment that's supposed to be for man. Matthew 26, from verse 36 to, t- to 39. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I want to pause first. I want to read the account in look. But before that, in Matthew 26, verse 38, hear what it said there. Jesus said, He was in such a sorrow that was going to kill him the sin placed upon him was about to kill him I'm going to look chapter 22 verse 41 to 44 it says and he was withdrawn from them about the stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying father if thou be willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven strengthening him And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was at his wear, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Amen. Here again, we see what Jesus was passing through. You see, this matter of redemption is not something that we can fully understand. What Jesus was passing through here, I cannot completely understand. I can only look at or read because I wasn't there. I can only read the account and ask myself, what was really going on how did it feel that the weight of the sin of guilt do you know how you feel when you sin the guilt that just your one sin has brought upon you now imagine the guilt of every sin you have ever committed coming to you at once and how it will feel for you just you know when we sin and we feel that guilt just one sin i'm not talking of every sin culminated it feels really bad It weighs us down, we are in sorrow, we are bowed down. Now imagine all your sins, all at once, the guilt that you have felt for each and every one of them added upon you at one moment. It will crush you. Then how much more? The guilt of the sins of all men for all ages, every single man, how would that feel? It is going to crush anybody. Were it not to be that Christ was strengthened, we just read now that an angel came to strengthen him and in our devotion it said very clearly that Christ Christ had the human and divine combined together that it gave him a capacity to endure suffering and we will read something to that effect very soon. But before we go there, I want us to understand, you see, this topic of redemption and what was going on here is not something that we can completely understand in heaven, we will understand it even better we we'll understand it even better. But now I'll read from Testimonies, volume 2, page 203, paragraph 2. To understand what was going on here, it says, As the Son of God bowed in the attitude of prayer in the garden of Gethsemane, the agony of his spirit forced from his pores sweat like great drops of blood. It was here that the horror of great darkness surrounded him. The sins of the world were upon him. He was suffering in man's stead as a transgressor of his father's law. Here was the scene of temptation. The divine light of God was receding from his vision. And he was passing into the hands of the powers of darkness. In his soul anguish, he lay prostrate on the cold earth. He was realizing his father's frown. He had taken the cup of suffering from the lips of guilty man oh my and proposed to drink it himself and it's and in its place give to man the cup of blessing the wrath that would have fallen upon man let's make it personal the wrath that would have fallen upon me and upon you was now falling upon christ you were about to take the cup of wrath and drink it but he took it away from your hands and gave you a cup of blessing and said no you won't drink it i'll drink it for you and then he began to drink your own and then another person about to drink theirs he takes it and says, take my cup of blessing i will drink yours for you and then he did it for the whole world we all are supposed to have drunk of this cup of wrath but jesus took all our cups together and said take my cup of blessing drink from my cup of blessing while i drink the cup of god's wrath unmingled with mercy and he drinks it for us and he fell on the floor lying prostrate in the cold ground because of what he had just drunk and the reading continues to say the wrath that would have fallen upon man was now fallen upon christ it was here that the mysterious cup trembled in his hand. End of quote. Reading from Bible Training School, September 1, 1915, paragraph 5, it says, In the garden of Gethsemane, Christ suffered in man's dead, and the human nature of the Son of God staggered under the terrible horror of the guilt of sin, until from his pale and quivering lips was forced the agonizing cry, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, But if there be no other way by which the salvation of man may be accomplished, then not as I will, but as thou wilt. Here it is now, it says, human nature would then and there have died under the horror of the sense of sin had not an angel from heaven strengthened him to bear the agony. So, remember we read something in our devotion that talked about how it was that Christ was strengthened by divine nature. That does not mean that he was not completely human. The divine nature of the angel strengthened him. And that is the power of God, strengthened him. It's not that he had any inherent power in himself. His human nature, like we read now, would then and there have died. Sin itself kills. That's just the point I want to make. Nobody needs to kill you. Sin itself is so deadly that it kills. And as Jesus was taking upon himself, our cup, taking our sins upon him, it would have crushed him, were it not to be that an angel strengthened him. Let me finish the reading now. It says, The power that inflicted retributive justice upon man's substitute and surety was the power that sustained and upheld the suffering one under the tremendous weight of wrath that would have fallen upon a sinful world. Christ was suffering the death that was pronounced upon me, the transgressor of God's law. Before I go on to explain this wrath, we started by saying that when we contemplate the life of Christ, especially the closing scenes, what is it supposed to do for us? It is supposed to call out love. We are supposed to have more confidence in him. Our love is to be quickened. and How do we show this love? Jesus says, see my brother, it's not about singing songs all that thrills my soul is jesus he is more than life to me and saying oh god you are this and god you are that Mm-mm. jesus says in john 14 verse 15 if you love me if you love me keep my commandments it's not about dancing in church it's not about making a noise it's not about singing so-called praises he says in the book of amos take away from me the noise of your songs i will not have them what i want is for you to be righteous that's what he says Amos chapter 5, verse 23. Our love is to be shown to him. You know, I'm reminded of some videos that I have seen of the appreciation and gratitude of brute beasts, animals. I've seen bears who were saved from mud and some other terrible situation that when they are saved, years later, they are able to recognize the person that delivered them. And whenever they see them, as brute as these beasts are, even as brute as they are, they run in appreciation to the person and hug the person. I've seen lions do it. I've seen mooses do it. Mighty, you know what a moose is? They call it elk in Europe. Big animals with something like tree branches on their head. These animals are mighty and even they they call for help. Sometimes their babies have fallen into mud. I saw one where, to where a whole family of moose was inside mud, and one moose came into the road and was calling and dis- disturbing cars until somebody understood that this moose needs help, and came down and followed the moose, went to a mud, and saw many mooses—about five inside the mud. I'm not sure of the number, but it was not—it th- was not two. It was more than two. It was up to three. I think one had even died, and they started to help to bring out this moose, and the the one who was calling for the help was so grateful and years later, they will come to appreciate. I've seen numerous videos like this. What does that mean? Even animals, their love and appreciation is called out towards those who did not necessarily save them, but saved their brethren, saved their children and sometimes saved them and they are in eternal gratitude to the person that loved them how much more us see sin affected us it seems it affects us more than the animals because even the animals they do things that shows they have some sense of holiness and morality in them Why it not be said that sin affected them too to do certain things but even the things they do is nothing in comparison to what man does an animal kills to eat we will kill for fun We would not hear that there should be only opposite sex in marriage, but animals know that they will never go as far as same-sex marriage and same-sex intercourse, but we will go that far. Our case is terrible, but as we read of the love of God, Isaiah 53, verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. As we hear these things and as we see the suffering of Jesus, illustrated by the cup he took from us, which we were supposed to drink, the cup of God's wrath, he took it and then drank it and gave us the cup of blessing. As we think on these things, let our love be awakened. This love is to be shown by, as Jesus said, not me, Jesus said how he wants you to show the love. Keep my commandments. Continuing from Bible Training School, September 1, 1915, this time paragraph 7, it says, No sorrow, no agony can measure with that which was endured by the Son of God. Are you in sorrow right now as you're listening to me? Have you ever been in sorrow? Will you be in sorrow tomorrow, tomorrow? Remember that someone has passed through a sorrow which is greater than yours. Man has not been made a sin-bearer and he will never know the horror of the curse of sin which the Savior bore. We also read this in our devotion today but let me continue. It says, No sorrow can bear any comparison with the sorrow of him upon whom the wrath of God fell with overwhelming force. Human nature can endure but a limited amount of the test and trial. The finite can only endure the finite measure and human nature succumbs. But the nature of Christ had a greater capacity for suffering, for the human existed in the divine nature and created a capacity for suffering to endure that which resulted from the sins of a lost world. The agony which Christ endured broadens, deepens, and gives a more extended conception of the character of sin and of the retribution which God will bring upon those who continue in sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ to the repenting, believing sinner. Amen. Amen. In John 19, verse 28 to 30, Jesus, at this time, had left Gethsemane. They had taken him to Annas and Caiaphas. He was beaten terribly there, blindfolded, punched, hit with sticks from the back, and they were asking him, Tell us, who is hitting you? You that prophesy, Tell us. After that, they took him to Pilate, Pilate referred him to Herod and they mocked and ridiculed him to scorn. That is, ridiculed him to the last. Returned him back to Pilate and there he was scourged. Forty stripes on his back. The The soldiers mocked him, placed crowns of thorns on his head. And then they finally took him to the cross. All the while, what was going on here? Satan was trying to make Jesus give up the drinking of that cup for you and me. It was not this was all Jesus was passing through here was just Satan's wickedness. This whole process is not the one that God inflicted on him. What God inflicted on Jesus was the placing of the sins of the world upon him. And as he was taking of that cup, I don't know how it is, it's not but it's not something instant. I cannot explain redemption perfectly. But what I know is that Jesus represented the placing of the sins upon him as the drinking of a cup of God's wrath. And in Revelation 14, we see God talk about it in chapter 9 down to 12, the cup of God's wrath. We see there represented. In other words, it's something that was being placed on him gradually. It was going on and on. The sins of the world was being placed on him and it was going to kill him. He did not need to go to the cross to die. Sin itself would have finally ended his life. And eventually, he did end his life on the cross. And that's what we're getting to now. John 19, verse 30, when he had finished drinking of that cup, what what happened? When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, because he requested for water, but they gave him vinegar, but he didn't drink it. He said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So what is it that was finished? He had finished drinking of the cup of God's wrath. His work being completed, he was then offered as an offering for all men he didn't die because of the pain of crucifixion but because of the wages of sin that was upon him when he had finished taking the sins of the whole world he died and in John 19 verse 31 to 33 we see that that is the case when they came and brought down all the those that were crucified including Jesus and the two thieves when they brought them down so that because it was the Sabbath day They realized that Jesus was dead. The way it was recorded shows that they didn't expect him to be dead. Because the act of crucifixion is to make people suffer slowly. People who are crucified usually stay sometimes three days and they have not yet died. They've not died. Jesus in just a few hours had died and they were surprised. So what killed him? It was the weight of the sins of this world that killed Jesus and not the crucifixion. This is why he was already dead the wrath of god on account of the sins of men was the cause of his death this was the cup he drank the cup of god's wrath but then in testimonies volume 2 page 211 paragraph 2 we are told jesus did not yield up his life till he had accomplished the work which he came to do and exclaimed with his departing breath it is finished satan was then defeated he knew that his kingdom was lost angels rejoiced as the words were uttered it is finished the great plan of redemption which was dependent on the death of christ had been thus far carried out and there was joy in heaven that the sons of adam could through a life of obedience be finally exalted to the throne of god Oh what love what amazing love that brought the son of god to earth to be made seen for us that we might be reconciled to god and elevated to a life with him in his mansions in glory oh what is man that such a price should be paid for his redemption end of quote the wrath of god with jesus felt on our behalf was actually what some what as we said was done on our behalf What does it mean on our behalf? We are supposed to be the ones in that place feeling that wrath, but he spared us that experience because he loved us. Seeing what man must experience and subject himself to, God decided that he will make a way by which, if man chooses, he can escape the wrath. Therefore, in love, he sent his son to take our place. The justice which was supposed to be meted out to us, he meted out on himself so that we don't have to experience the pain and suffering of our sins and what it actually deserves. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And John 15.13 also says Greater love hath no man than this that, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. Is your love not quickened? 1 John 4 verse 9 and 10 In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Hearing his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I pray that this will quicken our love for god let us pray thank you dear father for the words we've heard for all who have listened for i who have also spoken i pray father that these words shall bring forth a transformation in our lives even if we have experienced conversion before help us lord to be reconverted by these words we have heard lord please come into our hearts and dwell and transform us true and true in jesus name i've This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org, that is www.tawasv.org, or contact info at tawas.org.